Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher and church planter in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for His sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome back to Lose Yourself. We resume our conversation with Steve Pearson, pastor of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah, on the subject of Passion Week. So we have the crucifixion, which was obviously traumatic for Jesus' followers, who at this moment are, are disillusioned. And obviously that is a very long weekend for them, trying to grapple with what they have beheld. But then of course, now what happens is you have the resurrection. You have all of the things that are transpiring and just reshaping human history as we speak. There's an empty tomb. He appears to people. There's the realization that Christ is alive and the ramifications thereof. Steve, talk to us about your observations about these events. So it's interesting because I've been to Israel um, and there's two places. There's two tombs that they believe is the tomb one of them the catholic church has built a built a monument over as they have with everything else but the other one is interesting because and and that's the one that that a lot of people believe because when you read mark's gospel it's very interesting in a jewish tomb all the jewish tombs in israel you walk into the first part and there's a there's kind of this morning room and then you go straight ahead and you walk into the burial that's where the burial room is there's there's one tomb in that area where you actually walk in and when you walk into the area, the burial isn't straight ahead. The burial quarters is to the right. Well, in Mark's gospel, it says, and when the women walked into the tomb, they turned to the right. So it's a very interesting little thing there. But here's what's interesting is what they saw. Again, just overlaying all of what's happening. You know, and when Moses was getting the, the, um, the directions for the Ark of the Covenant and how to build it from God, one of the things God told him is he said, you're going to take, you know, you're going to take this Ark. You're going to build this box, overlay it with gold, and you're going to put the, the Torah in, and then you're going to build this thing called the mercy seat and the mercy seat is going to go on top and you're going to have these two angels and they're going to be facing each other, right? And their tips of their wings will just barely not touch, right? When, when, when Mary and the women, when they went in there, it's interesting what they saw. They saw one angel sitting at the foot and one angel sitting at the head of where Jesus had laid, right? They were looking at a living mercy seat, right? And, and here's what he says in Exodus. He says, it's there between the two cherubim that I will speak to you. This is in Exodus concerning all matters of life. So when they walk in and they see these two angels, one at the head and one at the foot, they're basically looking at a live mercy seat with an empty tomb or no body between the two. It's as if God is saying it's there between the two angels. I will talk to you about all things concerning life from the resurrection. That is the place that God speaks to us about all things concerning life, Mike. I don't care what it is. Why? Because we have a living God. God's going to talk to us about marriage. God's going to talk to us about, about, you know, addiction. God's going to talk to us about money. He's going to talk to us about sickness. Where? From the place between the two cherubim, the resurrected Christ, right? All of life is dealt with because of the resurrection, because otherwise you're talking to, reading about, you know, serving a dead God. 
but because he's alive, he talks and he speaks about everything. And so there isn't one area of life that the resurrection does not apply to because the resurrection is a living God, right? God is a God of the living, not the dead, the scripture said. So because Jesus is alive, God's talking to you. God is speaking to you about every single situation of life. And it is the, it's interesting, Mike, because it's, it is the power of God. That is it. The resurrection demonstrates the defeat of your last enemy, your, your greatest enemy. It's over. And if God can conquer that, right? I mean, I, I love the picture. A lot of times people, people look at the story of David and Goliath and they think, oh, just, you got to be David, you know, pick up the, pick up the, and it's like, we ain't David in the story. We're, We're the defeated Israelites. A representative comes on our behalf and he slays the giant. And then we get up and we pursue our enemy in the wake of his victory and the whole camp wins. And that's the odd thing. The uncircumcised Philistine is the one that preached the gospel in the story. You don't all have to fight. Just pick one man and then let him come and we'll fight. And whoever wins, the whole camp wins. That's that's imputed righteousness. That's imputed victory, right? But here's the thing. Christ did that. We were never going to defeat death. We were hopeless. We were sitting in the corner He comes forward, he slays the greatest enemy of man, which is death, and now we get up and we live a life in his victory. The resurrection's everything to Christianity. There's no such thing as Christianity without it. Truth. (laughs) (laughs) I think that one of my favorite things about the Bible is it doesn't leave anything out. It leaves the nasty with the good. It doesn't, there's there's just flat unflattering things that the Bible includes, you know, C.S. Lewis talks about how, like, why would you put that there? Why would you, if you're trying to spread lies, why would you have these people speak? Why would you have this included in there? Why would you have so many flaws if you're trying to gain notoriety? And, and so you have in this is speaking of, so who are the first people to find Jesus? Women. Yeah. It's an important step. Yeah. Why would you include that? Because in, at the time it would have been a suspect. But now it's included because Christ is for everyone. He's turning the whole world on its head. The other thing that includes, you have Doubting Thomas, who has to touch. He won't believe until he sees it. That many, Maybe that's you today. You're, you're doubting. You have Peter that has to be restored because amid the journey from the cross to the empty tomb did not go terribly well for Peter. <laughs> He's pointed out as a Christ follower, and he just flat denies Jesus. I mean, we're not talking about kind of sheepishly denying Jesus. We're talking about flat. I don't know him. I'm not with him at all. Love the account where at the end, Jesus restores Peter. In John chapter 21, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Notice how Peter denied Jesus three times, and three times Jesus asked him, do you love me? 
remarkably, Peter eventually dies a similar death to his savior. And through that transformation, he inspires millions of people who've read of him and read his writings that all point to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is a beautiful example of how Christ redeems those who have failed. Yeah. He was denied him three times. And then Jesus, you know, feed my sheep, you know, do, do these things. And you see that redemption because if anybody was not excited to hear about the resurrection, it was probably Peter. Yeah. He's probably thinking, Oh no, what have I done? I mean, imagine you have done the worst thing. You have forsaken God. You've cursed God. You have done those things and you're thinking you're irredeemable. And one of the most beautiful things that happens, obviously he Christ defeats death and hell on the cross, but he also takes the moment to go to his humiliated, broken disciple and restores him. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, maybe that's you today. Maybe you're thinking, man, I have done the worst. I, there's, I'm irredeemable. There's no hope for me. I'm, I'm glad there's hope for everybody else, but it's, it's too much for me. If Peter can be restored, someone who cursed the man he followed, even so, shouldn't there be hope for you as well? Yeah, 100%. You know, it's interesting. There were two people that denied Christ. One sold him out with a kiss and the other went away in self-condemnation, right? And and I find it interesting. One, it's said that it would be better that he was never born, right? And the other, who was just as guilty, right? I mean, in Jesus' greatest time of need, you know, he, I mean, you could say that, that, that you know, Judas did it behind closed doors and then in front of Jesus' face, he kissed him, right? He was, he, he was a hypocrite. But it was Peter that looked into his eyes and said, yeah, I don't know the guy and cursed when he did it. Right. And then ran off in self-condemnation, just feeling like, um, oh, my gosh, well, well, why is one restored and one not? Well, because one, you guys, the, the truth is, you know, one realized that that life was running back to, I mean, it's been, it's interesting. It says that Peter ran to the tomb, right? He, he was like, he got news that, whoa. So in his heart, though, he realized he was broken. There was, there was this hope in Christ, right? There was just this desire. I want to go see, I want to go back. And, and, and the scripture says that, that a bruised reed, he won't break, he won't break a flickering flame. He won't extinguish. God's not, God's not in the business of, of, of killing people. He's, he takes no pleasure in the, in the death of, in the death of the wicked scripture says, you know, I just think there's, there's an element of grace and mercy there that you just see Peter latches onto that, that Judas never did. And, and so when there's no hope in the living Christ, right. Then, then you do stuff like that. You just go and you off yourself because there's no hope, right? Peter believed Jesus is alive. And so there's, that's what I'm saying. The resurrection brings hope. It brings a hope that even in the face of your three days of denial, if you will, your three years of denial, your, your failures, your worst failures, there's a hope that you can run back and meet him. Right. And, and so I just, I would encourage listeners you know, Mike, scripture says in Matthew 12, there's only one unforgivable sin, right? It's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's the only sin Jesus said will never be forgiven in this life or the next life, right? Every sin, he says, when Jesus says something, you can believe him. Every sin committed by men will be forgiven except one, right? You can say a word against against the Son of Man, it'll be forgiven. 
One will not. And there's debate as to what that is. I, I'm, I, I personally believe that it's, it's the rejection and the attribution of the Spirit's work and pull in a person's life to the enemy and you don't listen to it. You don't listen to the Holy Spirit pulling on your heart to draw you to Christ. That's the only thing that won't be forgiven. So for the leaders or for the listeners that are listening, no matter what you've done, like you said, it doesn't matter. It's forgivable. Murder, it was forgivable because David was a man after God's own heart, right? Adultery was forgivable because David was a man after God's own heart. I mean, pride is forgivable because David was a, God, a man after God's own heart and his pride killed 70,000 people because he wanted to number some people. I'd say pick a sin, right? That there isn't, like you said, there isn't a hero in scripture that isn't guilty of it, right? It's like, it's like good gracious but God forgave him. So all of it comes from the life of Christ because he's the one that judges the living and the dead. Wow. This has been a great journey as we've again, taken passion week day by day and just taking a moment to prepare ourselves for this season. And today, as you're listening, this is probably air on actually on Easter. And my hope is this season, you've had a chance to, if you're a believer, you've had a chance to reflect, you've had a chance to draw closer to God to take your faith more seriously, to appreciate all that Christ has done for you and to serve him with your life. But if you're listening today, perhaps you are someone who has felt far from God, who's never really committed to Christ, maybe feel they're unforgivable, unredeemable. At this time, I, I encourage you to reach out to us, to, to pray, to receive Christ. It's the most important thing you'll ever do. You can't save yourself. The good news is it's all been done for you because the gospel literally means good news. Today, my encouragement for you is embrace that good news and come to faith. We'll see you next time on Lose Yourself. We want to thank Steve Pearson from Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah for joining in on this conversation. We've had a great Passion Week discussion. We hope you've been blessed. You can check out Steve at rhutah.church and listen to his program, Shouts of Grace, also available on Key Radio. We thank you for joining us today and remind you until next time to lose yourself to worldly distractions and embrace God's plan for your life. This has been Lose Yourself. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a ministry of Grace Church and Mike Cunningham and a production of Key Radio.